Hey, this is Moses. Thanks for listening to The Red Megaphone, where I interview cool people that deserve to be heard louder. If you love learning from other people's stories, consider subscribing. Thank you. Today's guest is uh, more than just a health coach. She's a cult leader, (laughs) a boba enthusiast, past radio host, and also a music video star. So enjoy my chat with Marzi from Marziology. Welcome to your first podcast. Hello, Moses. Thank you. I'm very excited, but also a little bit nervous to be on this podcast. You just mentioned that you're a radio host. Why are you nervous already? Um, it's just been a while, like being in front of a <laughs> microphone, like talking to someone, especially during COVID. Like, don't you have that feeling you just like forgot how to socially function? Like you'll talk to someone and be like, oh my God, why did I say that? <laughs> right. I feel like every so much of the communications move digital and like meeting someone in person is kind of weird now. Yeah, for sure. You're just like, uh, do I look into your eyes and speak or <laughs> should I just uh, like your comment? Like, that was great. <laughs> that was really funny. <laughs> um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and kind of childhood growing up? Yeah, for sure. Um, so my name is Marzi. Um, I'm actually um, of Malaysian Taiwanese descent. Um, and I'm actually Canadian as well. So it's a little complicated. I was born in Malaysia. Um, I was bred very briefly in Taiwan. But for most of my adulthood, and I guess adolescent, <laughs> I was raised in Canada. So I guess in a culinary field, you'd classify me as like Asian fusion. So I'm like a classic Asian <laughs> dish, but then there's a lot of cultural twists with it. So my mom and dad's just like, why do you have those Western values? I'm like, I don't know. You put me in Canada. That's what happens. That's what happens when you um, bring your kids, <laughs> kids out there. You, so you, did you spend any part of your life in Malaysia actually? Yeah, I did. It was mostly uh, very early childhood. So until like when I was five or six, and then another like five to seven years in Taiwan. And then just like the whole family moved here. And yeah, spent. So do, you, mm-hmm. do you have any uh, memories of I Malaysia do. in Taiwan? Yes, I do. Very clearly. And we'll get into that a little bit later in childhood. <laughs> um, but yeah, I studied. Um, we went through secondary school and gra- uh, undergrad in Vancouver. So I uh, graduated with a degree in Japanese language and Whoa. international relations, completely non-fitness related. And I was actually supposed to go to graduate school in Japan for like higher education reform. But then at one point I was like, you know what? I don't really want to keep studying. Like not really feeling it. So I quit. Um, quit school has like, maybe I should just work so I got into luxury retail and management for a really long time and in the last year I took a whole like u-turn and I was like I'm gonna be a health and fitness coach guys this don't forget the DJ minute. don't forget the DJ oh, yeah. job DJ was, <laughs> the DJ was like a really random thing in university I was like maybe I should yeah <laughs> so, you're so you went to Samyamu and then Ritsumikin right yeah um at UBC 
were you always kind of a studious student or no? Um, a very, I think so. I mean, like you're Asian, so you probably relate to this. I think most Asian kids grew up, you know, have having to be studious, right? Like <laughs> I grew up doing, you know, the piano, the violin, the math, you know, my dad's a doctor. So in my household, it was like, be a doctor like your father. And I'm like, okay. Right. Um, and you know, you had to do a little bit of sports because, you know, as a nation kid, you just kind of need to know how to do everything. It's you have to lot. be so well-rounded. Did you play exactly. any, did they make you play any instruments? Yes. So I play <laughs> piano and violin and like, I can still play like the pink Panther right now. Everything else. I think I just lost it. Like I erased it from my memory. So my story is, uh, <laughs> same thing. I learned to play the piano and uh, the reason I started getting piano lessons is because I wanted to play, be able to play the theme song, uh, Pokemon opening theme song. Oh, that's classic. And then as soon as I learned how to play that, I kind of wanted to quit. You're like, I'm done here. (laughs) So I would lock myself in the bathroom every time the teacher came. Uh, So I got in a lot of trouble for that. And your parents must not be very happy with that. Yeah, but my parents aren't very strict either. They've always okay, kind of that's nice. let me do whatever I wanted. And I've been kind of fortunate in that sense, but also no guidance. Right, right. I can relate to that. It's usually just like either figure out something on your own or it's like do what we say, right? It's, yeah. It's um, the two. It's the two. I have roles. a lot of listeners. Sorry, I have a lot of listeners uh, in British Columbia, Vancouver mm-hmm. in general. I guess not that many, maybe five or six. Just kidding. <laughs> but uh, hey, friends but can you there. explain? Uh, <laughs> can you explain the radio, the radio gig? Because you just told me, and I was kind of intrigued. Um. So I decided to join this contest. It was um. It was for a Mandarin radio show. So if you go to ninety six point one in um, if you're in Vancouver, um, it's a Mandarin radio show. Um, there was a competition for it. I was bored that summer, so I was like, why not join? My Mandarin is okay. It's not the best. Just test it out, see where it takes me. And then I kind of got into the finals of the competition. And <laughs> I was like, I was like, okay, we're really doing this. Um, but I actually really enjoyed kind of listening to music. Music is a big part of my um, life. So then it was really fun for me to kind of be able to like, share music and my thoughts and um talk to people over the the frequencies even though i don't know if they're listening but you're pretty much talking to yourself like you're talking to someone else too that's that's challenging no um i actually enjoy it a lot because i think personally i talk to myself quite a bit too so it was just nice (laughs) being in a room where it's like hey guys yeah hey what's going on like it was just me having conversation with myself but um it was funny because I actually met people who recognized my voice. I was just going to ask. In person. And I was like, whoa, that's just, that's crazy to me. And it's just kind of reminds me of how small our community is and how you can just meet people um, through so many different ways. So people would just walk up to you and tell you that they recognize you from the radio? No, like I would be ordering bubble tea and then they're like, your voice sounds really familiar. Are you Marzi? And I'm like, holy, is this really happening? Yeah, that was my very small taste of fame when I was 20 years old. 
<laughs> so you did that for about a year? Yeah, a year or so. And then like school got kind of crazy. So I was like, uh, this job's not sustainable. So I just went on to do other things. I've always been a pretty busy kind of individual <laughs> dabbling in different activities here and there. Seems like you're pretty well-rounded. And you mentioned that growing shout up an Asian kid. Shout out to my kid, parents. <laughs> Yeah, shouting Thank you for out, uh, forcing me to do all these <laughs> things that I hate. <laughs> what kind of sports did they make you do? Okay, so my mom's actually an athlete. And my brother was very athletic. But the athlete genes did not run in my blood. So unfortunately, I was conditioned to be an athletic child. But um, I suffered <laughs> through every single second of it. And I think that's the irony because I'm a health coach right now, but growing up, I don't have a happy memory of sports. So I remember swimming. Um, my mom made me do competitive swimming when I was like four years old. Hated it. I was crying in the water. I was drowning. My tears were drowning in the water. I just remember being thrown into the <laughs> pool. And then my coach was a super strict um like this high school team coach, just like very notable guy. And I just like could not talk back and I was just suffering through it. And was I also did badminton. Was yeah, this in BC? No, this was in um, Singapore. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. And then when I was in Taiwan, um, my mom is like a badminton fanatic. So I had badminton training and conditioning and I remember very clearly um, before we even start playing badminton, you had to do all these drills like running in the track and like doing jumping jacks and doing lunges and all these things. And I remember just like on the track, like five laps in and I was on the verge of breaking down. And then the coach just <laughs> yelled at me and he was like, you're going to do three more. And then me as a child, I was like eight years old. I just broke down in the track and I start crying. I was like, I can't do this anymore. I'm at my limits. And I just broke down. And, <laughs> and my mom was like, is this, is this really happening? Cause my, my brother was just like enjoying every moment of it. And I was like, no guys, this child is brave. Yeah. There's an emergency. Do you find any irony in now you pushing your clients to do more sets and et cetera? during the fitness sessions um for sure like i relate to that a lot and i'm like i feel you but you know we have to get through this so like i'm like that voice of reason while they're suffering but like me as a child i never really had that encouragement it was more of you know like being an asian kid you don't get encouraged you don't get clapped you know you don't get clapped <laughs> when you do something very well it's just like keep doing it you're doing you just keep doing what you're doing you know so i really i just needed my coach to be like Marzi, you're doing great. You have three more laps to go. But then, no, my coach just yelled at me and I didn't take that very well. I was like, why are you yelling at me? I'm already <laughs> suffering. So I think that was the moment where I realized that like coaching really did matter. And like to think of like all the coaches that I had in the past, like I was like, that's brutal. Like mm -hmm. I wouldn't want no one to go, go through that ever. So was there a point while you kind of didn't have the best experience growing up uh with fitness and sports was there kind of an inflection point or an individual that made you kind of look at it from a different light i think so yes because you remember when uh, i told you about the swimming training and then i cried so much that my mom had to get me a new coach 
<laughs> because every time I looked at that coach in the eye, I would just start crying. <laughs> My mom's like, okay, well, this is obviously not working. Um, so they actually found me like a coach that was the complete opposite of, you know, like there's usually strict coaches and then there's like coaches with a little bit more empathy. And like with those coaches, I found that, you know, I definitely did a lot better in that sport, but I still didn't enjoy it, but I liked the coach. So it was like a, it was like an interesting relationship. Like I still didn't want to go to the conditioning, but I liked the coach. (laughs) So do you try to be that coach for a lot of your clients now? I think so. I think empathy really like plays a big part in my style of coaching and like being able to um, relate to the client and listen to the client, um, listening to their struggles and um, hearing out, you know, if they're having like a really bad day or if they're not in the mood. Like I think as a coach, you kind of have to be um, very sensitive to details like that because Mm -hmm you know, it's, you don't want to break them. (laughs) The worst thing you can do is like, they're already going through so much stress and like your words can, can make or break, break them pretty much. Have you, uh, have you ever lost clients for pushing them too hard? Um, I don't think so. No. Wow. I don't think I'm a very, (laughs) I think I trick them into doing it. (laughs) (laughs) I never like force them. It's usually like a, Usually, like, go my way about things. Yeah. Right. And psychology plays such a big role. In oh, 100%. All of it too, so, yes. Um, can you tell, I mean, me and the audience a little bit about your very first fitness client session and the emotions? And were you kind of nervous? What did you guys do? Was it um, at a park? Was it, what was that like? Um, so fortunately, um, I had the opportunity to work in the studio and my first clients were actually my friends and co-workers from, um, when I worked in luxury retail. And I think it was just this really, um, grateful like moment for me where I felt like, wow, these people trust me with their body. Like I'm just starting out, but they do trust me with their body. Um, and I think it was kind of nice that, they like we knew each other before so then it was also like a learning curve for both of us like there was something Mm. that I could offer professionally but um through kind of how they adapted through the workouts I was also learning so there was a lot for me from for me to learn from them and then I was just kind of going pretty slowly with like how I would pass down that information or knowledge that I know to them right were you nervous at all um yes and no because they're my friends so it's like (laughs) it's okay but then when I first had when I had my first like referral client um someone that I didn't know then I was like okay all right here's there here's where the real game so like here's the real right the first stranger yeah the first stranger then it's like really being patient and like um being able to um I guess build rapport I guess that's the most important thing for them to um trust you and want to keep working with you and like um see improvements in their body like that's a whole process um for them to enjoy um under the right guidance i want to circle back you mentioned luxury retail what what was that what was um so i decided to get into just like the working field 
uh, right after I like decided to quit quit um, academics. Um, so then I started uh, as like a retail sales. And then I kind of like moved my way up into like luxury retail and then into luxury retail management. So eventually I was like coaching a team of salespeople to sell luxury goods. And I think that kind of was the turning point for me where I realized that I wanted to be a health coach instead of, you know, a sales coach. Um, Because like it's kind of similar, like coaching is in itself very similar. It doesn't matter what you're coaching but in the field that you're working in, like the results are different. So if I was a sales coach, like I am bringing together a team to bring in revenue. But if I was a health coach, the people that I do make an impact to, like these people reap the benefits of like mental health and physical health and like mm. so much more. So for me, that was like, hey, what if I became a health coach and I was able to guide people to better themselves physically and mentally and you know be part of that process like that is so much more rewarding um in my mind so i was like maybe that's yeah that was, that was kind of like a calling i heard that voice in my head it was like yeah marcy you should do it and i was like okay <laughs> i quit <laughs> so you quit uh and then transition right into that uh health yes. and fitness industry right away what kind um, yeah, of uh, it, was, it was right when like right before COVID hit. So the timing actually, I guess, worked out quite well. Uh, what what kind of product and what kind of was it like high high luxury brand kind of? Yeah, um, I worked with a couple of like big brands, and then um, I worked at a buyer store um, where it sold luxury menswear as well um oh, that was cool yeah there's one gas town it's called road and gray shout out road and gray um <laughs> i was at dior for brief a little bit too yeah fun times actually it wasn't it was, it was all right it was just a lot of <laughs> labor it was just a lot of labor and i was like i'd rather be in the gym right now <laughs> so when did you start uh kind of regularly going to the gym and when did it become part of your habit because you said you grew up not liking it so much right yeah true so <laughs> in all honesty um i did not like fit i didn't love fitness until last year so for 27 years of my life i'm 28 now for 27 years of my life it just did not work for me but my fitness journey did start <laughs> my view all the audiences are like why are you even coach but hear me out hear me out there's more to this story um, so my fitness story act- uh, journey actually did start in 2015. Um, it's funny because I'm talking to a chiropractor right now because that's what got me started. Um, so I had a very serious degree of scoliosis and kyphosis and I was pretty overweight. So I'm five foot four. And at that time I weighed about 73 kilos, um, which is a little overweight for my <laughs> height. And it wasn't really, um, from, I guess, what I ate, it was just kind of my structural deficiencies and then like malnutrition and unhealthy (laughs) lifestyle habits that cause all this weight gain. And it wasn't until I saw this chiropractor in Asia that he was like, you know, you're all kinds of like, like, this is, (laughs) this is not how life 
like a healthy lifestyle, like, <laughs> like the opposite ex- extreme of a healthy lifestyle. I'm like, oh, no wonder I'm feeling so much pain in my body. Um, so after it took like three months to kind of pull every vertebrae out and fix the scoliosis, um, I didn't really have any muscles to hold, uh, hold what he fixed for me. So I kind of had to start working out. Um, and also because I was kind of overweight. So exercise, (laughs) yeah, I was like, okay, I guess we have to do this. And this was, I think when I was about to go into graduate school I was like applying for graduate school I was just really stressed out about it and I'm like maybe this is not for me maybe being an academic isn't for me so Mm. I started exercising um to get rid of all the fat shaming that still exists in Asia and like training just to keep my body away from pain um and I actually got really great results from that because I lost about 23 kilos so I was 73 so I lost about 23 kilos um but I wasn't really eating very well back then but I just kind of yeah it was a lot um and I kind of just kept training but I never really loved it even though I got these you know, quote unquote, great results. Like people look at me and be like, wow, you're like half your size now. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I am. Were you <laughs> doing all that by yourself? Um, no, I actually had a um, personal trainer and I, I went uh, two times a week for about three years or so. Wow, for three years. Yeah, for three years. Um, but then it wasn't something that I like wanted to do. I just felt like I had to do it, so um it's like that coach all over again (laughs) I just kind of kept doing it I didn't it yeah I don't know why but um I'm really glad that I did because if it wasn't for fitness I wouldn't be you know talking to you um or your audiences in this podcast right now because I've actually been diagnosed with um clinical depression and obsessive compulsive disorder I was like a high functioning anxious person and it got to the point um in one year I was suicidal so mentally I was like not thriving and I was pretty much not in my body but then physically I kept up with the workout so like every week Mm. I would still show up to training although outside of training I was pretty much out of my body like I don't Mm. even remember how days passed during that time so it's almost kind of, I, I know people talk about this a lot, how um, the motivation won't always be there. So you got to make uh, yourself disciplined. So For sure. It becomes a habit and then it serves you rather than you trying to continuously motivate yourself to go. Exactly. I think my body and my mind was like operating on two different systems. So my mind was like, well, there's no point doing anything. There's not even a point to live. <laughs> and then my body was like, well, bitch, go to the gym. <laughs> you have your training at, sorry, I just swear to your podcast. You can like beat that out. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Would you do that on the radio too? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I'm so sorry. Um, no, it's fine. Beep. You can uh, say whatever you want. Great. Because in my mind, I was like, my body was like, move, bitch, your session is at 10 a.m. You better show up. So that was like the one thing that was consistent during this really dark time that I was going through. Um, And thankfully, because I was so consistent, it unconsciously became this 
habit and routine for me to like show up for myself and do these like painful exercises that I did not enjoy. But then every time I did accomplish them, it felt like I was connected to my body. And I think that was mm. kind of the only reason that was uh, like allowed me to to keep going and wanted to do something about um, my health and kind of my mental crisis and really move out mm. of this out of body experience and try to connect myself more with my body because my body was trying to keep me alive. Like it was giving me all these serotonin, all these endorphins. And then if my mind was just like sabotaging myself with these destructive patterns, like personally, I wouldn't be moving anywhere. Like I'm just not progressing. So it was like a battle, like an internal battle. It's like, do we want to do this? Should we not? Should we just go into this black hole? Should we get out of it? But ultimately, I think the body won. Body was like, let's do this. Let's get out of this. Right. And it starts to crave it a little bit too, right? The body. I think so. I think um, when you like stop moving, something feels weird <laughs> too. It's just like whispering to you. Right. Um, and then uh, I want to talk a little bit about your intake form because I thought it was super funny and interesting. Um you mentioned a little bit about how like having good relationships with your clients and the psychology of it and the importance of all that. And one of the questions it says, take a moment and envision how you would like to see your best self in 90 days. Mm-hmm. What results do you see specifically that contributes to that happiness? Please be specific. What was mm-hmm. your thought process in uh, making that question and like the use of vision and emotion Well, for me, um, like pretty much fitness was like a very spiritual journey for me than it is physical. Um, So I do feel like the power of manifestation um, does come into play when you want something for yourself. Um, I think a lot of people want something, but they can't really picture themselves um, in that result. So people say, I want to lose 10 pounds, but if you can picture yourself losing 10 pounds and kind of know how that feeling might like that, how, like when you envision yourself losing 10 pounds or getting whatever goal that you want to, like you, you would have a very elevated emotion, like picturing that. And that's the Mm -hmm. kind of emotion that is substantial in driving you and giving you that momentum to push you towards your goal. So it's not so much of motivation. It's like, you're almost already there. Like if you already mm-hmm. feel your success, you're going to keep working towards it. But if you kind of just say it out loud and say, I want this, but you don't, you don't really know how you'd feel when you're there. Like there's, there's a gap. Hmm. So that's um, kind of, yeah. That leads into uh, my next question is what do you find that uh, your clients and members find most challenging? Hmm. This one's tricky. I would definitely say nutrition and then the mindset. Right. The nutrition is so difficult. Nutrition is really hard, but I think that has to tie in with mindset too, because, you know, our mind and our brain is what ultimately decides what we want to do or what we don't want to do. And how we eat is such an unconscious behavior that's been, you know, built up since childhood. So like your nutrition can't really be on track unless you're having, um, you're willing to have a very honest conversation about, you know, 
why you eat the way you eat, right? And bring mm. awareness into what you're feeding into our bodies. And I think that's a really difficult process. So it's it, it's like it's like when you open your phone and it's on front camera and you're like, oh, oh. <laughs> like that's how it feels. Like having people talk about their nutrition is <laughs> a very sensitive shut subject and you want to tread lightly because it, it's one of those things where you might scare them off because right. it feels like you're judging them or you know what they've been doing all their life is wrong. Um, so really you kind of, you can't really impose anything on them. You kind of have to guide them into this reflection process. So nothing is good or bad. It's just how you look at it. Like you've mm. been eating like this for all this time. How do you feel? If you don't feel that great, maybe if we try things a different way, you would feel better. And if you feel better, maybe you want to eat like that more mm. often. I like this next question you have in your intake form too, which is, again, very introspective. It seems like the strategy you like to uh, use is letting your clients build up motivation, not externally, but from within, like internally. And this question says, wait, why haven't you been able to accomplish <laughs> these results on your own? <laughs> Detail everything that has been making it so hard for you. Tell me why you failed. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do people say most of the time? Um, people get um, pretty in-depth with it, which I really, really yeah. appreciate because I wrote in the intake form, please, you know, block off your time so you can tell me everything. And with I, intent. I, <laughs> with intention. And I think that's that's so important because that gives me a glimpse into their life and how, you know, how they've been approaching things. And I can see their mentality through how they've been approaching things too. And so when I do get on the call with them, um, it's a lot um, easier for me to empathize with them because I know the background story of, you know, why, why this didn't happen for them. So it's not really about them failing. It's more about, it's like, okay, what made you kind of want to approach it this way? And what other approaches can we try? That's really good. Another, another, um, interesting thing is just having fun right having fun during your workouts which you seem to have a lot of that's the hard part <laughs> is it hard that's the hard part of like convincing people that you're gonna have fun in your workouts because that was definitely not me and i think i attract the same kind of clients <laughs> i attract the same kind of clients i attract a lot of clients who don't enjoy the workout and it takes um quite a bit of mindset coaching to kind of go from like, why am I here? I'm in so much pain to like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to finish this set. And I'm, I'll, I'll ask them like, can we go a little bit heavy? And they're like, yeah, I can. And that's when I know hmm. I'm like, it works. <laughs> We've did it. But I think there's also beauty in uh, you specifically working with individuals that haven't taken an extensive step towards fitness or uh, don't have a great fitness background or don't enjoy it because i always say it is more rewarding watching someone buy their first car and be able to drive off than kind of sell someone their like 10th car a car enthusiast mm -hmm. their their 10th car so if you end up working with someone who is already loving fitness and i mean the the workouts might be a lot it might be very enjoyable but it's kind of gets to a point where it's like preaching to the choir right yeah, I think um, that 
it would challenge you as a coach then to cater to, you know, people of different levels and still find that passion because each and every client is so different. And that really reminds me of like my job as a sales coach or retail manager, because everybody is so different and everybody has different personalities, how they sell and how they communicate is different. So there's Mm -hmm. no one size fits all. You always have like, for me, it was finding what makes them tick. Like what makes you really excited? Like not everybody's going to like squats or deadlifts or pushups, but you have to find that exercise where they're like really excited about. And then you kind of understand, okay, so I see you like, um, explosive movements or I really, I see you really Mm. like upper body. Then, then you can kind of start catering those workouts to what makes them feel more excited. And I think that keeps kind of the excitement going during the process and they'll more likely um, stick with you as well. And that's something that I've also missed in my first um, year of coaching was that I didn't miss, I missed, I missed out these cues. So some clients I wasn't able to retain, but I think all of it is a learning process. Like once you lose that client, you realize you're like, Oh, (laughs) I should have, I should have picked up on that cue. I'm so sorry, but (laughs) So what was that workout or movement or sport that uh, that did it for you? What 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 is it that you enjoy the most? Um so if you go to my Instagram account, you'll see Muay Thai is Muay Thai is like my thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Um I am not the best at Muay Thai, but it's something that I actually absolutely enjoy um, doing, even though I suffer through it. Uh, the reason why I do it is because I feel like it like the sport really reflects like, um, how do you say this? So if there's a sport that you really like, that sport pretty much reflects how you want to navigate your life. So Muay Thai for me, it's, it's <laughs> fast, right? It's, it's exciting. Um, yeah. Everybody has their own type of flow. Um, you kind of have to adapt to it and you have to be very reactive. You know, How long have you been doing it? um casually like two three years and then seriously since last year Hmm. yeah Um, but um every i guess every time i kind of go to a muay thai class and i kind of train myself to excel in that sport um every time i see improvement it it kind of encourages me to keep training harder so i can be better at that sport and then do you ever like spar with other people? Is that what it's called? Spar? Sparring? Yeah. So my coach actually asked me if I wanted to fight. And I told him <laughs> that, if, is it okay if I just don't get hit in the face? <laughs> um, I'm okay. Just, I'm okay getting hit like everywhere else. I just really don't want to get hit in the face. Are you padded up when you uh fight or um so for beginners uh for like amateur fighters i think so so that's what he said so he's he told me that um you get like these padded helmets so it should be okay so i'm like "Hmm, maybe yeah maybe you'll see me um sparring in the next year or in 2021 and muay thai muay thai seems like it's such a fun thing for kind of it's like a workout but also sports um, and also like and dancing engaging, dancing rhythm <laughs> yeah flow weight shifting um, and flow, it looks so super fun but when you're actually doing it it's not fun <laughs> <laughs> like it's fun watching people do it and then when you're doing it it's like what am i like why are my arms just everywhere it, it takes a lot of like balance and control of your body 
And I think some people are just like naturally very good at it. And for the people like me that are not very naturally really good at it, it's just hard work. You put in the Mm. time, do the drills, um, do the workouts necessary at home to to benefit your training, and then you, you, you get it down. Um, we talked a little bit about having fun during your workout and you being a radio host and seem like you love music, dancing, flow, etc. Can you tell me the story behind Boba Lady, the music? Oh my video god, Boba Girl. <laughs> the Boba Boba Girl. So guys, uh, besides being a health coach, I actually had a single last year. No, 2019 summer. Yes, summer 2019. (laughs) Um, So I actually have a boba addiction. I used to have a boba addiction. I still might. I'm on rehab right now. Um, I love boba. I'm coming from like a Taiwanese background. Like boba is in my blood, like milk tea. My blood, like if you cut me open, I drip milk tea. (laughs) Um, Boba is such a big thing for me. And I think it also comes from me not being able to have it when I was a child. So once I was an adult, I was like... Nobody's going to stop me. The floodgates. <laughs> I will have three a day if I want to, and nobody's going to stop me. But What's I think the most the, you've had in a day? Three, max. Three? Yeah, three over three is a lot. But I've had friends that have more than three. So I have this kind of posse of friends that are boba girls, and <laughs> we just drink mad boba, and it's kind of crazy. People are like, why do you do it? And I'm like, have you had tapioca with milk tea? <laughs> It's next level. What's your go-to drink? Uh, oolong, oolong milk tea with pearls, thirty percent sugar, thirty percent ice. Said in my lyrics, if you check okay. it out, so, so kind of just uh, it's kind of a classic, right? Yeah, it's a classic. But now I just go with um, no sugar and no boba because too much tapioca in your body is like <laughs> not not good. And it took me quite a while to like shred that boba fat off, like. And it showed <laughs> the boba fat, <laughs> the boba fat. So like, like at one point at my most fit, I was at 15% body fat, but then I still had a belly and that was from the boba. <laughs> so what I'm trying to say here is that, you know, do whatever you like. Numbers are just numbers. If there's something that really speaks to you, go for it. You don't really have to sacrifice anything for your like fitness. Um, yeah image because social media wants us to always look a certain way or like it's like if you don't look a certain way you're not fit it's like no it's not really like that as long as you're kind of getting your exercise in and you know keeping healthy and able to walk yourself to maybe only one boba a day yeah well not really i kind of have one like occasionally (laughs) occasionally like i have like one or two in a month um during the winter time it kind of got out of hand like i had one every week and my clients are gonna be like excuse me <laughs> i'm gonna <laughs> put you, you on the spot again um <laughs> Damn best it. boba best boba best boba uh, place shop. okay yeah. well this one's really tricky because it really depends on a person's taste because some people love taro and i'm just like but that's not really melty um well like right. some people prefer like pineapple slush and i'm like but that's not melty so I'm very classic. I, I'm I'm a oolong milk tea person. And if you like oolong milk tea, um, I would say go to like Chen Fan Hao. Um, I think Share Tea's oolong is fire, although it's a little bit sweet. So just go no sugar. 
And mm. uh, what's that place? Oh, Ushalam Boba in Richmond. That is the original oolong milk tea. Give Marzi a sponsorship. Sponsor me. Well, actually, we <laughs> there was a few boba stores in BC that um, played our music. And it was really nice. No way. Yeah. Okay, going back to the music video, can you tell us more? Um, so it was a really random project from me and my friend. We just, I was on a plane and I really craved boba and I just wrote the lyrics out. So when I arrived in Vancouver, I was flying back from Toronto. Um, I hit up my friend and I was like, hey, we should make a song. He's like, yeah, let's do it. So we just made a song. Um, yeah, we made a song. And we're like, what if we posted it on Spotify? And I'm like, hmm, what if we did? <laughs> so then we just did like a art album artwork and then we posted it on Spotify. And then we were like, well, what if we did a music video for it? I'm like, no, nah, no, I don't mind. <laughs> Why not? I'm bored. Let's do something. <laughs> yeah. So, so the music video, a YouTube actually, video was all too, my right? friends. Yeah, it was, it's on YouTube. It's on my uh, fitness channel, actually. So it's very ironic that it's on there. <laughs> when I became, when I decided to become a fitness trainer, I knew I was going to be the most controversial fitness trainer ever because I love snacks. I love boba. I love fries. But I also get my ass going to you know run <laughs> and get my fitness going and do all these things that contradicts you know my daily life and this some is of the a, foods that i love this is quickly turning into a foodie podcast it, uh, it but, is it is but uh favorite fries go mcdonald's hands mcdonald's down. yeah mcdonald's okay can't yeah mcdonald's i can smell it already <laughs> <laughs> i've got a say terrible in and out. trainer in and out's pretty good out. it's very fresh uh, when i first had it i thought it tastes like cardboard and then i loved the cardboard <laughs> taste say, ever since you're trying to tell the audience that you love cardboard see that's what i mean like taste is so it's like it's it's different for every individual so right. you know one thing will be great for you and the other person's like nope not me this is taking a really weird turn, but uh, like colors are really weird too, right? If if I see a color and I and I say that's red, and you see the same same shade, but to you, it might be called red as well, but it might be different colors. It might be a you different I mean? shade, yeah, for sure. Or it might be completely different too. Well, you might be colorblind. <laughs> <laughs> you might need to check that out. Okay, so. Moving on from the boba and foodie yes. stuff. Um, that was my how did past. You, when did you? When did you? Uh, <laughs> we don't drink that anymore. No, we don't do that kind of stuff. No. But when did you uh, start? Actually, start Marziology, and how did you? How did you name it? Um, What's the story behind the name? Marziology. Yeah. Well, here's another story. Well. <laughs> <laughs> um. I guess I could, you know, like I said before, like fitness for me is like a very holistic approach. It got me out of a really dark place and it kind of helped me find who I was. Like, I feel like I kind of wasn't always in my body. And then through fitness, I was able to connect kind of myself to my mind and to my body. And like, we we're all just like this one thing together. Um, 
And so Marsiology actually comes from, I guess, a study of who Marzi is as a person. So, <laughs> you know, the philosophy, the kinesiology, the psychology behind Marzi as a person. Um, that's what makes up my page, I believe. Is it the, new, is it the new Scientology? <laughs> Uh, it's secretly a cult, guys, so subscribe if you're uh, looking for a cult to follow that likes boba and fries and loves fitness, but also mental health is great. Uh, everybody should take care of their mental health and also take care of their physical health. Yeah, if that, if that checks so all connected, of your boxes. Right? <laughs> um, I think so, um, and I think a lot of the um followers that i attract um i'm very grateful for them and i think we all have very open conversations about how um how hard it is for someone with anxiety and depression to want to work out even like they don't even have the will to live sometimes like let's not even say work out so it's like it, it's a struggle for them on the daily so to kind of encourage individuals that are um suffering with you know anxiety and um, depression, it, you kind of need to tread very lightly and provide a lot of empathy. Like there are some weeks where some of my clients are just like not feeling the best. And that's when mm -hmm. I get the cue to kind of call them and check in with them and say, Hey, how's your week been? Like, I haven't seen you, you know, doing any workouts. Like, how are you? And we would kind of just spend some time talking about their week. And then after that, you know, I would kind of just be there to listen to how their week went. And then I think that does help. Um, just like having someone to listen to their struggles that week and saying that, you know, I feel you like you've been working really hard and I just want to let you know that um, taking a week off won't hinder your progress. Um, take this week off, take that rest that you need. But next week we're going to come back even stronger and, yeah, I'm like really working, like looking really forward to, you know, seeing seeing you clocking on that that workout again. And yeah. they do eventually come back and they, you know, they'll message me and they're like, I feel really great this week. And I'm like, great. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. I think yeah. it's very cool that you also are very upfront about how you are selective with uh, working with different clients because you you recognize and admit right away that you might not be the best fit for an individual. So there's a quite a bit of a screening process because it takes a lot of energy out of you to work with someone that doesn't fit with you either, right? 100%. Um, it's like trying to convince somebody who doesn't like sweets that sweets are delicious. Like <laughs> It just doesn't work. So um, I'm very transparent about who I am on my social media page. And it's like, I will continue to kind of keep being this way because um, I think when you stay true to yourself, that's when people that kind of have the same values and um, kind of vibe in the same way will become attracted to you. And that's when you can really start niching down because you start to get clients of kind of from the same background. So I actually have a lot of clients that are, um, I guess, working professionals, um, young working for professionals. They're all around the age of like 25 to 35. They have a very full schedule, but they're always um, striving for more, like either in their workplace or like on a personal level, on a spiritual level. 
And then they're just looking for that next thing in the fitness level to like have their body um, being able to carry them to that next level that they want to be at. And I think it's really great that I'm part of this process. I'm like, yes, you go. Yes, you're, you're you're going at it in life. Like life is going great for you. Like work is going great for you. Like I'm just like their cheerleader in the back. <laughs> um, you came into kind of the fitness health industry at one of the most challenging times for yes. a lot of different people. And uh, what kind of shifts in the fitness industry have you seen and how have you adapted accordingly? Um, definitely a really weird time to go into fitness because right. all the gyms are closed. So yeah. <laughs> what fitness? Um, yeah, so I actually did work as an in-person trainer for a bit before I went into kind of being online and then in-person. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a big shift in the industry, not being able to, I guess, go to the gym and work out, like having that face-to-face um interaction with your uh trainer um but i mean as an online coach you know my perspective is to kind of help clients um breed their own accountability while still having the guidance of a coach Hmm. so the long-term goal is for them to be self-sufficient while having like a scientifically backed nutrition approach and a scientifically bad um workout plan that helps them with their goal but they kind of have to be there to supervise themselves because you know as a coach you can't handheld your clients to every workout forever like Mm -hmm. one day they're gonna have to you know kind of take autonomy and and decide that this is what they want for themselves and they're gonna go after it yeah and leave the cult yeah leave the cult I was once a member of Marsiology. It was great. I had a lot of boba when I was in that. <laughs> yeah, but um, I do miss um, uh, training in person. I do feel like when I do train my clients in person, there's this level of dependency. And then sometimes it's like you, you kind of want them to be a little bit more in- independent, but then they do – they do, they want your support there. You know, they want those like cues and like, um, moral support and, you know, my awesome personality, maybe, I don't know. (laughs) Um, there was this weird transition where like, um, my in-person clients, some of them would not, wouldn't really convert to online because of that lack of interaction. So, um, online training is definitely not for everyone, but I'm still glad that some people are, you know, into it and like self-motivated and have a lot of self-efficacy and still want that for themselves mm, mama lee <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah my like, mom with the playing challenge ab challenge <laughs> yep ab challenge let's go it's hard because um, like i did the full i did the workouts myself and then yeah. i do feel like without a coach like who knows if you're gonna finish that workout because there were times where i was like oh my god i'm in so much pain but i wrote this workout i'm gonna finish it (laughs) (laughs) yeah how was that how how did how did you enjoy the power core workout i mean it was good Uh, i don't do too much uh core workouts in general but uh that's why i was i was was really sore and (laughs) but I, i enjoyed it 
I, if anything, I think uh, I love kind of challenges. So mm-hmm. <laughs> like challenge, I have, I have to finish it and kind of yeah, the five especially when it comes to challenge. fitness and stuff. So it's always nice to kind of push yourself to do something that you normally wouldn't do or like normally wouldn't push yourself to do because I think that's the beauty of fitness, right? Like, yeah, human beings we're so adaptable and we're so much more capable than we think we are. Um, but it's always like the mind that's saying like, no, 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 you shouldn't do this. You can't like, what do you Absolutely. mean? hundred pushups don't do it. Um, but once we can kind of align our mindset with our body and then our have a little spice of your character in there, like it's crazy what people can do with their bodies, like in sports, um, in fitness and like in everyday life, like I've had Absolutely. clients that said to me, they're going to die running. So they've never really run outside or like have Mm. never like haven't uh, it's been a really long time since they've ran outside and then they started running. And for me, that was like a really crazy moment. Like I was like, wow, yes, I can't believe as a coach, you have so much influence and impact um, on a person's life, on a client's life. And it's really up to you to kind of um, use that responsibility and, you know, carefully implement what, like what kind of influence you want for your like your little tribe yeah um i want to share a story with you without breaking any regulations because <laughs> one of my patients uh i mean very a lot of different patients have mentioned to me oh i have this and that uh but i'm kind of really scared to run mm-hmm. uh how do i run with uh by protecting my knees, how do I mm-hmm. run, et cetera. And, and uh, there's just so much fear in movement and fear in doing something. For sure. And, uh, and I, the way I kind of tell them without being too offensive is uh, there's so much more to gain from just go- getting out and running than uh, the risks you face by running. And it's kind of, sort of when a kid is hesitant to go outdoors because there's so many different things out there and it's dangerous, the world is out there, but there's also so much to see, but you kind of have to weigh the benefits and the risks and you have to take that leap and you realize that there's so much uh, gain from just being able to run and going for a nice run, not only physically, but also mentally as well. So I believe that. I think it's two sides of a coin, right? And I think society conditions us to fear. <laughs> and I think as a coach, that's what the beauty of being a coach is to be able to brainwash your clients that they're fearless. <laughs> the cult. <laughs> the cult. You are powerful. You're going to be fine. You're not going to get hurt. Yeah. That's me whispering in their ear. Um, <laughs> so I'm actually really glad that a lot of clients started running. And I, I totally feel you on that because I've had clients that say, you know, like, what if my forms are out? Not right. And I think that happens for a lot of trainers that people um, they've, they've come through clients that um, are really worried about their form and form is just that thing where it can't be perfected. If you don't do it, you kind of just keep doing it. And then one day you're like, damn, my form looks so good. (laughs) It's wow. And then that's the moment where it clicks, but there's going to be like this time uh, of period of practicing before you get it right. Right. Absolutely. I wish people, um, could i i mean it's it's hard to especially during covid right like everybody's been indoors and it's like ah, oh, the world is just 
a lot of crazy things happening this year. Um, But I think um, as a coach, you kind of, the only way you can kind of encourage people without being offensive is just being the best example of yourself. Um, You kind of have to embody that spirit of being fearless and that fearlessness um, does translate, even though it's on social media and on a digital platform. Um, People are so content driven and we want this, Mm -hmm. you know, um, we, we, we want to see things on our phone and yeah. it's such a great platform to really pass down positivity, positivity and like encouragement and like all kinds of, I guess I'm a loss for words. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think just like the, the happiness and the consistency, consistency that comes from, um, working out and the benefits of it. Like, I think that's not really talked about a lot. Like on social media, you'll see a lot of photos of like really successful people that are super shredded or like super fit, but they don't really talk about how they got there. And I think it's the struggles that really connect people together. Mm-hmm. If you want to see each other struggle. <laughs> and in a, in a, <laughs> misery loves company. It does. Um, in a sense, it, it also creates a big barrier for uh, first-timers to kind of get into it because it becomes such an overwhelming industry for someone to take the first step, right? Yeah, and the and the the market's definitely really saturated right now. So, you know, there's all kinds of trainers on the internet. If you want to, you know, find a trainer, there's several types of trainers. So I think it's a, it's a, it's a great platform to get information, but at the same time, there's too much information paralysis by analysis <laughs> exactly so it's kind of hard to definitely like find your place um as a coach in the middle of all this i guess instagram and youtube and facebook like it's just a web of information now but mm-hmm. i do feel like um if you just keep being yourself and just do your best and like radiate what you do as a person like people of the right um of this same kind of vibration and frequency frequency yeah it comes to you it's like radio waves it's like oh why did you pop into this channel welcome (laughs) welcome to the cult tune into the the aberdeen 98 point (laughs) 96.1 96.1 marziology station um what are what are some winding down what are some of the projects or stuff that's in your pipeline definitely trying to get on youtube more so i started off Mm. in quarantine breaking out a lot of videos on youtube and then it just kind of slowed down when i started getting more clients um so i'm trying to get myself back into just creating content and like um enjoying doing it so i've been doing more content on instagram um but it's just a lot of time management and trying to get yeah. things out. But uh, I pretty much go with the flow. So when an idea <laughs> comes, it will become a, a project. And hopefully I finish it because there's like so many projects. Sometimes Any more music like, videos on the way? Any more music videos? Probably not <laughs> <laughs> for a while. No. Boba Girl is a one-hit wonder. One-hit wonder? Yeah. It's a story I'll tell to my best friend's grandkids. 
Remember when Crazy Auntie did that song? Yeah. <laughs> that was a good that time. Is, do you think Boba will exist but until then? It's hard to say. It's hard to say. As long as Boba exists, this song will probably exist. Uh, it'll probably f- exist in a different form with like um, watermelon juice. Watermelon lychee. Super tapioca lychee. Yeah, that's a no something. for me. <laughs> like <laughs> with fruit? No. Traditionally, um, it's milk. Where can people find you? Um, you can find me on Instagram and on YouTube. It's just Marziology. M-A-R-Z-I-ology. Um, yeah. There's some whack content there. Just me being <laughs> me. Uh, hope you guys and, uh, relate. What, There's a lot uh, of recipes what, on there because I love to cook. Recipes? There's a lot of recipes because I love to cook. And they're healthy recipes. So Favorite dish? Favorite dish. Ooh, yeah. too many. <laughs> Jack of all trades. Uh, favorite dish, man, that's really hard. <laughs> do you, do you cook a lot then? I do. I do cook a lot. I like to make my own food. Mm. Yes. I'm, I meal prep, but I feel like it's more out of convenience to take to work. And it's, it's pretty pathetic looking. <laughs> <laughs> it's a sad meal prep. <laughs> I eat the same thing for lunch every day for oh. about six days. I can't do that. Really? I'd rather die. I don't think my <laughs> palates are very developed. <laughs> well, actually, I wanted to make a YouTube video on meal prep. Maybe I should do that. I Change think my palates, yeah, my palates are pretty uh, <laughs> dead, degenerate. <laughs> Man, six days eating the same food. I can't. I think I'm pretty boring. I don't know. I'm kind of. Pretty habitual. <laughs> okay, there's some beauty in that too. I guess some people are just more consistent and um, stagnant, <laughs> you know? <laughs> wow, way to slide that shade in there. Um, no, just like sign and cosine graphs, you know? We'll never cross paths. <laughs> the palettes are just not the same. Right. Okay, well, let me know when the YouTube video hits for your... Uh, the meal your, prep. Uh, meal yeah, prep? No problem. I'll go like, subscribe, thumbs like, up. Like, subscribe. Oh, no, thumbs uh, up thumbs is up. like. Uh, yeah, that's true. Right, and Slap the bell. Up, thumbs up. <laughs> like your mother slaps you with your math homework. <laughs> um, no. And with that uh, word from our leader of Marziology. <laughs> Just we'll kidding. Don't slap everyone. Don't slap um, anyone with your math um, homework. Any, any last words? <laughs> any last words for... Uh, any of your clients that might be listening in the future? Shout out to all my Last current answer. clients and maybe future clients. I uh, just wanted to let you know that you guys are all awesome, whatever your fitness level is, even if you've never done a squat before. I uh, just wanted to let you know that you're capable and you're beautiful and you can do anything that you want to do if you follow a marciology. <laughs> just you, kidding. You, you left out your past clients. I did. I was like my current and my future clients. I know, but you oh, my left past out clients. your past clients. True. <laughs> Sorry. They don't get a shout out. I hope you guys are well. <laughs> come Please back. come back. I miss okay. you. <laughs> um, have a good night. Sign out. Did you Did you have like a signature sign out whenever you uh, finished 
your show on the radio? Um, no, but I do have one on my YouTube. Um, stay hydrated. Uh, stay moving. Stay hydrated. And I'll see you in my next video. Okay. Peace.